0: Greetings this morning, in the Lord's name, it's good to be here with you. It's good to see all the home folks here. I know there's a lot of visitors here too, because I consider myself pretty much a visitor too, uh, coming from Mount Hermon Congregation in Rockersville, or Standardsville, Virginia, So, it's good to be with you, and we want to continue our worship together. We want to honor God, and we want to serve Him acceptably. I appreciate it very much, our Sunday school, and certainly our church service needs to be acceptable to Him as well. Let's uh, invite you to turn to Revelations chapter 3. I'm going to begin there. Revelations chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." The church at Sardis was described as a church being dead. It had the appearance of being alive. It had a reputation, possibly, of being alive. And it also may have looked spiritually alive from looking on and seeing their life. But God declared it, for the most part, as being a church that is lifeless. Christ therefore gave the church in Sardis a jolting command to wake up. Pay attention what is going on. You look like you're alive, but I believe the rousing call was a call to Encourage the church to take action, to do something about where they're at. The members were to strengthen what little remained, to obey obey, and to repent. And I guess I look, we have lots of churches represented here this morning, most likely. Uh, How do you view your church? How do you view yourself, first of all? Are you alive? Are you obeying? Jesus told the church at Sardis to wake up or he would come like a thief and would come in a time when they're not expecting him. It is encouraging while we look at the church at Sardis that it appears as though a lot were dead, spiritually dead, but a few were there that Christ says were faithful to him and had not soiled their clothes and the pollutions that were around them, they were promised they would walk with him in white and would be uh, with him. Now I guess my intentions this morning is, in this sermon, is a way of encouragement to contend for the faith to grow in Christ. And I, I picked out this Actually, our evangelist, not too long ago, spoke about this in a, nif- in a little bit of different sense than I am. But uh, my intentions are for us to be encouraged to contend for the faith. Jude 1-2 says, um, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you, that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. saints. Jude here had thought to write of the common salvation, but he felt a great need that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was delivered. And I, I think... That is what I feel inside as well, As we need to contend for the faith. It's, it's an earnest desire on my part and many others that we contend for that faith that was delivered to us through scripture, through Christ, um, him speaking to us. And I think it's so much more important as we look around and we see the Uh, way that especially the mainstream churches are going uh, the false doctrine that is declared there I guess I had a thought recently Um, Jesus said in the end times there will be false prophets come my thought was Is that what we're seeing in our mainstream churches? What is a prophet? Is it not one that declares the word of God? And I thought maybe we don't even realize it hardly. But we're sitting right in the middle of what Jesus was talking about. And so I think in our day and time, where we're at, um, we need to be aware of the false doctrine that we face in our world today. And it's not just in the mainstream churches. It is filtering into the conservative churches as well, churches we go to, uh, or churches that we are in relationship with some, especially some of the people. And thinking about all that, I'd like to take you to Deuteronomy, the first chapter. I recently was uh, impressed with this chapter as Moses here, basically the whole chapter, was reiterating the things that had happened before. And he was going over them again with the children of Israel and setting the law again with them. And I was, I was challenged by this chapter in the life of Israel. They had seen so many things as they left Egypt and they came into the wilderness and they were there in the wilderness and they spent many years there. <clears throat> and so um, Moses was now pretty close to the end of his life and he was telling them what they should do and what they had seen and how they should fulfill what God had entrusted to them. I'd like to read beginning in verse 6. The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount." Turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto the place nigh thereunto in the plain and the hill in the vale and in the south by the sea, the land of the Canaanites, unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Ephrates. Behold, I have set the land before you, Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give unto them and to their seed after them. I guess one thing that touched my thinking and life as I thought about God here, they were in the wilderness they had been there, and they had gotten maybe somewhat comfortable there. Um, they had rejected God the way that they did, and they were wandering around there 40 years, and they were sort of placed there, and yet God was looking down on them, and he's seen where they were, and I guess what, what impressed me about this is that and we know that. He's always aware of what's going on with our life. He knows what we as individuals are doing. He has us in view. He has us in mind, and he says here, it is time for you to move on, turn you and take your journey and go to the Mount of the Amorites. He wanted them to now receive what he had promised to the forefathers, their forefathers, uh, the land of Canaan. He wanted them to experience that. God loves us. He has a very vital part for each one of us to do in life. He has a plan for us. He had a plan for them. He was ready for them to move from the wilderness to the promised land. God always has our good in mind, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. And they may have gotten a little comfortable there, and it was maybe hard for them to to be ready to move again. If we can just depend on Christ, if we can just depend on God, As maybe this son, Zach, to his father, one day they were out in the country, they were climbing around on some cliffs, and he said, I heard a voice from above yell, hey, Dad, catch me. And he turned around to see Zach joyfully jumping off a rock straight at him. He had jumped and then yelled, hey, Dad. I became an instant circus act, catching him. We both fell to the ground and for a moment after I'd caught him, I could hardly talk. When I found my voice, uh, again, I grasped in uh, exasperation, Zach, can you give me one good reason why you did that? In response, remarkably calm, he said, sure, because you're my dad. Well, I I wish that we could just place ourselves in God like that. His whole, this Zach's whole assurance was based on the fact that his father was trustworthy. He would catch him. Um, He could live his life to the hilt because he knew that he could trust him. It's even more so for us as God. I wish we could just throw ourselves to God and just trust him more than maybe the children of them. We'll look at that more as the children of Israel did. Um, I think you know and I know that we can trust God. We can place our everything into him. We can give everything we have to God. We can fling ourselves on him just as Zach did to his dad. And God will take care of us. We know that. Um, and we believe that. God told them to move on from the mount and go over to, uh, it was probably from the Mount Horb or Mount Sinai, wherever there, that they were moving from. This was a mountain where Israel became a nation instead of being a mob escaping from slavery in Egypt. It was a mount where God gave uh, them and us his standard of holiness by which we could govern our lives. It was a mount where they saw the awesome and frightening power of God, if you remember, Um, Moses said that God wants the children of Israel to come to the mountain and God would speak to them. And they came close to the mountain and God said, don't touch it, don't come too near or you will die. And there was lightnings and thunderings and uh, it was very, very scary to the children of Israel. And they said, no, we don't want that. We don't want you talk with God, and you just come and so they had seen all that awesome, frightening power of God. When we think about the slavery in Egypt, my mind went to uh, Egypt being defeated. When we think about Egypt, we think about uh, our sinful life, and we too have come to a point where we have... Defeated Egypt. I hope that everybody here has defeated Egypt in their life, the sinful life that you once lived uh, before you knew God. And so we have have also been called out of that slavery of sin. We have been given a better life. We have something to govern our life. We have God we can throw ourselves onto. And we can be a part of him. And he can be a part of us. I want to drop down to verse 19. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which ye saw by the way of the Mount of the Amorites. As the Lord our God commanded us, we came to uh, Kadesh Barnea, and I said unto you, you, I said unto you, you are come unto the mount of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. God had given them the lamb before them. And Moses is just reminding them that they had come from there and that they were going to where God had promised them to be able to be. We are also on a journey to the land of Canaan, our land of heaven. We're going to be a part of because we've been called out of slavery. We've been given a new life in Christ. And we have something to look forward to as heaven's reward. God here says, don't fear. Don't be discouraged. Put everything into it you've got. We don't have time to be fearful and to be discouraged in our life. And I know there's a lot of different things that happen in our life. A lot of different things come around us that may tend to discourage us or even bring fear. But God would say, don't fear. I will carry you through. I will bring you to that promised land that you have. Verse 22. um, And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us And they shall search out the land and bring us word again by the way, by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went up into the mountain and came unto the valley of Eshcol and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought, down, brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is good, it is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. I think I'll stop there for a minute. Um, If we go back to Numbers and we read where God had actually told them, my first thought when I was reading this is wasn't that a a sense of doubt that they might have had? God said, go, take the land. Uh, He had given it to them. Was it any use going and searching it out? But in Numbers 13, I think it is, God did tell them to go and search it out. He told them to uh, send spies there, but he had already plans for that. He had plans for them. God has a plan for all of us. They're good plans. They have. Uh, he has a meaningful life plan for you if we can only find that place that God has for us. A plan of success possibly a plan of ministry, and we talk about our effects that we have in our communities, and I think it's very true. When we leave here today, we are on the mission mission field, regardless of where we're at. There are many, many people that are searching and wanting something more worthwhile in their life, and we have the answer if we're willing to give it to them. So let's be careful to, to have a ministry, to do what God wants us to do. Uh, it may just be a simple, cheerful smile for somebody that is down. Uh, opportunity to share the word of God with them, to let them know what God has in mind for them that he has something in mind for them. And we step out in faith and we take hold of that. That's what God wanted them to do here. Wanted them to take on the promised land. But do you sometimes hold back? Do you sometimes doubt? Or are you sometimes discouraged in your faith and others don't really see Christ coming through? Those times happen, and I think we need to be careful with that, that we don't uh, allow things in our life that would discourage us to bring fear, to do things that would uh, draw us away from God. And there may be times that you feel like there's just a wall in front of you. you have nowhere to go. Uh, The children of Israel here um, talked about walls high. I may read that here in a minute. Let's look at verse uh, 22. Let's see, 26. Yeah, 22. And the saying pleased me well, and I took 12 men of you One of his tribe, and they turned and went into the mountain and came unto the valley of Eshcol and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us out forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us unto the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. God, yes, has a plan for us, and sometimes... We mistrust that. And as we look at this, and I guess the word that stuck out to me most in this, this um, portion of scripture here is the word um, where in 27 where they murmured in their tents and they rebelled against him. I can't see the rebel. 26, notwithstanding you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. And I guess when you think about what God had done for them, had sat before them, it was within reach. He had them in the palm of his hand, and he had them uh, right at the land of Canaan. He wanted to give them to Him, give it to Him, but they refused. And they, according to God here, Moses wrote, That they rebelled against the commandment. God had commanded them to go and take the land. Go and make it a part of them. And instead of believing God, uh, they looked at the enemy through their own eyes. They didn't see uh, or feel God in their life. They needed God to come and, and take over and just give up to him. And yet their human eyes could only see the walls and the big giants in the land. Uh, As we go on and read here in verse 27 there, I've read that. But um, that was another point that I thought where God really hears everything that we say. Uh, He is... Interested in our individual lives. You murmured in your tents. How often do we murmur in our houses? How often do we murmur against God? Do we rebel against Him, the commandments that He has given us? Uh, Verse 28 then says, Whether shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater. And taller than we, the cities are great, and the walls up to, the, up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Those were the giants. Uh, then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God goeth before you, and ye shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord God bare thee as a man doth bear his son, and all the way that you went until you came into this place. I think here is really where we see the rebellion that they rebelled against God. God had given everything to them, and they basically went and looked at the land and came back and slapped God in the face and said, We can't do it uh And obviously they couldn't do it. But God said He would do it. And as we know, when they entered the land, uh, they didn't have to do a thing but march around the city, the first city that they took. Uh, God done it all for them. But God heard what they, all the murmurings and the disputings that they had, and nothing is hid from God, not from our lives or others. Now we can be an encouragement, I think, if you feel God's nearness. I think as, as we wander away from God, as we don't trust him, as we don't follow him, is when we can't be an encouragement to other people as well. You begin to mistrust, you have unbelief, you're not obeying God. Uh, It was a sad day for them here when they came to this place and God said, I'm not going to let any of you in. Only your small children are going to be able to go in. Um, And so God has given us many promises, do we really believe them? He continues to bless us in so many ways. He has promised us. Um, The other thought that I had here is, are we an encourager to our brethren? Now, the church in Sardis, there were a few that had not defiled their clothes. We that are in a church, are we encouraging our brethren here, they said, "Whether shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. What kind of person are we? Do we discourage our brotherhood? Are we, do we have a way of discouraging them or bringing them to a point of not feeling confident in God? Or do we do, uh, do we enhance that uh, strengthen that thing that God wants us to to be able to to do in our churches to bring forth the Word of God to other people. <clears throat> There's one other uh, thing that I was noticing in here. Um, let's read here in verse 32. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God, who went up in the way before you to search out the place to pitch your tents in, and fire by night, and to show you in the way that ye should go in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth, and sware, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see the good of the land, which I swear to give to your father, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon. And to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord, and the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou shalt not go up thither. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. I Notice those words in verse 38, where Moses here was asked of God to encourage Joshua. Now uh, Moses was also looking at the fact that where he smote the rock, the second time God said you can't enter in because you didn't follow my commandments the way you should have and God is asking him to encourage Joshua and I thought wow when I'm facing that I'm not like Moses was not getting to go to the land of Canaan he was not going to be a part of that and yet he was asked to encourage Joshua in the way And I guess my thoughts went to, are we an encourager or are we a discourager? We can be one or the other. Can we encourage others? Yes, we can and we should. Let's not be a discouragement to them, bringing all kinds of faint-heartedness to our church people, but that we might draw them to the Lord and encourage them in the faith and to the nearness of God. I think as we think about God hearing all those things, the murmurings um, earlier, God seeing the position they were in and it was time to move, God is interested in us, and I I guess that can be a real encouragement that God is seeing us uh, and our life what it is, and yet it can also have, bring a sense of fear, possibly, if, if we're not living right or doing the right things. God has given us many, many promises in Scripture and continues to bless us in many ways. With those promises are often conditions that we are asked to meet. Uh, just a few here, and there's hundreds of them in Scripture. Psalms 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Psalms 125.1, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. And then I'd like to take you to uh, John chapter 14 where Jesus is talking. He says, let not your heart be troubled in verse 1. John 14, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. I think I'll stop there. I just wanted to to think about that promise that God has given us. We don't need to let our hearts be troubled. We have a place that God has prepared for us. We can be a part of that. And just like the children of Israel, we're, we, we could be close to that land. We don't know when our time will come, but we're close to that land. Let's reach out and do the things that God wants us to in order to receive those mansions, to be a part of that um, place where he has gone to prepare for us. John 15, 10 through 14 says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that... My joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So God is calling us to not let our heart be troubled, to keep his commandments, and I thought of a verse, and I'm not exactly sure where it is. But it says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I think about uh, our churches and where we're at. And do we really do that? Do we rightly divide the word of truth? And where he says, not That a workman that needeth not to be ashamed and I think it probably has the context of of, uh, being guilty maybe he talks about as we come before him in judgment that we are not ashamed or that we have not faltered in serving him and doing what he wants us to do. Those are the things that the children of Israel needed to do. And and I guess I'm talking about his commandments too because it was a command that they had to do to go into the promised land and they, according to God, rebelled against that. And so anytime we don't keep his commandments, we're rebelling against God. And as we know, rebellion will never get to heaven. I want to take you back to Revelation 3 in closing And just read a couple of those verses again, because they're so encouraging, and they're what we can look forward to. I want to read verse 4 and 5 here in Revelation 3. Thou hast few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. For they are worthy. He that overcometh, and that's for any of us, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. That is you, if you live for God. If you do his commandments, he says, you will be worthy not to um, defile our garments with the things of ungodly uh, part of our world today. And so we want to walk carefully. We want to contend for the faith. We want to continue to serve him and not falter in any way. And when he gives us a commandment that we move forward and trust him, throw ourselves into his plan, he has a plan for you. A good plan, one that is uh, will promise you heaven's reward. May God bless you. Can we have a song, please?